Hey, welcome back to their edition of the Five Tool Podcast. I'm Dustin McComas, joined once again, as always, by Drew Bishop. This is episode 129. It is Tuesday, October 10th, and we are proudly powered by Hitforth, the high-tech development center that produces pound for pound the most powerful and complete hitters in the state located in my hometown of Austin, Texas. Make sure you check out those guys at Hitforth, H-I-T-F-O-R-T-H.com, and also on Twitter and Instagram at Hitforth. I posted some a uh, few photos from my trip over to see the guys last week on my Instagram page and, and Twitter account as well, at Dustin L. McComas on Twitter and at Dustin McComas on Instagram. Uh, we spent a long time uh, last episode talking about uh, my trip over to hit fourth and what they're about and stuff like that. So I uh, encourage you to check that out, check those photos out and definitely go to the website. Uh, proud to be working with those guys. But uh, Drew, how are you doing? How's the week going so far? I know we were sharing some fantasy football war stories before we popped on. Did here. you say war, uh, war or horror? Well, I guess both are, are yeah. applicable in this situation, but uh, war, W-A-R uh, stories, uh, pro- not a good, not a good football weekend. No, not a good, not a good football weekend. This is a time where um, I, the Rangers salvaged what they could of what could have been an epic sports weekend right? for, mm-hmm. for someone in the DFW area. Um it sucked. Um, <laughs> pretty plain and simple. Um, uh, across the board, fantasy, real life, Cowboys, Longhorns. Uh, yeah, wasn't good. Um, but you got Rangers trying to clinch tonight. So that's what I'm going to uh, hope salvages the rest of my, let's call it, extended weekend if we move it into today how about that the who would have thought the rangers would be the ones salvaging the weekend and they're at home tonight and they've got the dude on the mouth so this is a really good situation uh for the rangers the dude being nathan uovaldi who i think is probably the best living postseason pitcher right now um, against Dean Kramer, who's also been been good this year. Um, so that would be a fun matchup. Um, so yeah, the Rangers, man, just people kind of buried him, and all of a sudden they got hot against the Mariners, and uh, they haven't looked back since then. Been a really, really fun team, uh, fun team to watch. But speaking of the playoffs, did you see the play that ended the Braves-Phillies game last night? Wild, wild. Like it, I – I can't recall, and you know, in my head, I was like, "Am I just being a prisoner to the moment?" Because that's kind of what we do now. We go on Twitter, where it's like, "Oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever!" Just because it's like literally the most recent thing we just saw. But I was thinking, I was like, "I don't think it's outrageous to say that's one of the best postseason defensive plays like I've ever seen." Like from the yeah. so, if if you didn't see it, a go back and watch the clip it's it's phenomenal but there's one out in a 5-4 game in the top of the ninth inning Bryce Harper's on first base and uh Nick Castellanos hits a drive to to center and it's kind of funny like if you look at the swing like it wasn't like a great swing but he just barreled it and it, it flew 
Um, Michael Harris, brace center fielder, tracks it all the way to the warning track, to the fence, jumps up against the, the fence, makes the catch. I think StatCast gave it like a 45% chance of making that catch. I don't think StatCast wow. accounts for like the wall element, like having to play the wall. It's just the ball right. track. So 45% chance. Really, really good catch. And he gets that thing in and he fires it back in towards second base. Um, and Harper, I thought Harper's decision where he was was fine because yeah, he has to score if that right. ball falls. He he right. has to. Right. So he's rounded second base and is kind of probably about like four or five steps from second base, just kind of watching and sees that Harris makes a catch and he's trying to scoot back. He's probably a little bit further than four or five steps, but he's trying to fly back to first base. Harris fires it in and it misses it misses um Arcia. Like he's mm -hmm. not even near it. And then Albies kind of has a shot at it and he just comes up empty. And here comes Austin Riley, who amazing job tracking this play, anticipating, being aware. I've got to keep my eye on this. Maybe I can get involved in this action. And he comes across, he backhands the hop, which is a tough hop. And he throws a rocket on the run, just like like big arm strength across the infield, gets Harper out by a step. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they just won this game. Yeah. On an absurd double play. Like, I can't remember seeing anything like it, especially to end a game. Well, I mean, you know, the obvious comparison is going to be the Jeter play. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it, it was wild. Like, it was a – it was an incredible, in, imperfect play. You know, yes. like that's the thing. Yeah. It wasn't like it was like perfectly executed by any means. It just was a great heads up play um, that, shoot, if they go on to win and do something big time, I mean, like that's going to be a play that's pointed to for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it already will be just because of the sheer – magnitude of it but if they end up going on to win something it'll obviously be something that's remembered for maybe i mean forever in braves history even as rich as their history is but um wild like just in incredible play and it's not necessarily how you draw it up either so it was just a like you said instinctual heads up play um with a high degree of difficulty yeah to win the game to win and, the game. and that that entire game was just i i didn't get to watch much of it live as trying to get jack asleep which <clears throat> negotiation process of like an hour long but that entire game it's like wheelers cruising 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 and all of a sudden you know big hit here arnaud home run there and then jeff hoffman gives up a home run a slider and it was only the second extra base hit he's given up against a righty with a slider all year and it's <laughs> austin riley hitting a three-two slider out of the yard uh, it, it's, it was just a great, great, great playoff baseball game where things can be going one way and all of a sudden just a single pitch just totally flips the game. Uh, and all of a sudden the Braves have got some life in, in that short series and maybe, uh, well, I mean, with the Dodgers losing last night, I'm sure this will still be a talking point, but like, I'm already getting tired of people saying, well, maybe we need to change the playoff format because these teams are losing. It's just like, 
Well, just because a really, really good team over the course of 162 games wins a lot of games, that might not be the same team that's entering the playoffs right now. Like, clearly, Clayton Kershaw is not right for the Dodgers. Um, they've right. had a bunch of starting pitcher injuries. Like, they're kind of, even for them, scraping the bottom of the barrel with what they're doing with their arms. And you look at the Braves, you know, like, hey, Spencer Strider got beat in a game that Ranger Suarez started. Like, that's not the playoff format's fault. That's that's just – their guys yeah. are better well, than your guys on that day, even though you were a massive favorite heading into that game at home. Like, it's not an indictment on the format. It's just the game. That's the way it is. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something, too. Um, you know, a lot of these wildcard teams have kind of already been playing with a playoff feel to get in a lot True. of times. yeah. Um, and you know, these teams that have buys, they've had, they're having more days off than they've had all year and just kind of get out of your routine. I mean, it sounds silly, but you see it happen a lot. I mean, like there's, there's a reason that some of these wildcard teams do so well, um, you know, in certain years. And I think that has something to do with it. I mean, I think that just, you know, I mean, they've been playing literally every day since, beginning of the season um you know minus the all-star break yeah and then you take four three four days off i mean that's the longest break you've had mm. since february um and you know i mean there's something to be said for these teams that have already been playing sometimes for a couple of weeks for their life um and they just they've gotten hot and they just continue to stay hot um i think i think there's something to that but yeah. i like it i mean i think it's you know, it's, it's better than, I mean, it's better than chalk, you know, like chalk right. baseball and, and can the be, baseball players or any sport can be boring. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it typically haven't really been chalky. Like it just, that just the nature of the sport and the yeah. playoff process just kind of breeds, you know, who gets hot. I think part of it too, is also, there's not really a dominant team. No, as good as the Dodgers were all year, like I said, they're they're not the same Dodgers, just yeah. especially on the pitching side. Orioles are a fantastic story. I also, I mean, you look at their pitching staff; like they're not rolling any aces out there. You know, hopefully and, that's and, a hopefully that's a past tense uh, um, word for after tonight. Yeah, yeah. I mean it. They're, I think they're built for 162 games. And when you get into the playoff, it's it's like the NBA playoffs are kind of like this too, but you typically see the best teams winning the NBA playoffs, but it's a different game when you get yeah. there. Like, well, it's a, like shorter Omaha's starts, the more way. bullpen arms, the, the power bats matter. Like they're the stat of if you out homer your opponent, typically you win in the playoffs. That's just kind of yeah. how the game goes. It's It's just, it's a little bit different. Um, than the course of the, of the regular season where it's more just a, a war of attrition and what kind of depth you have. But um, got the the Astros twins tonight as well in, in the in the Orioles Rangers. So um, the state of Texas will be definitely tuned in to uh, the playoff baseball. Uh, we've got a, a list today where we're going to highlight some uncommitted players, um, some of our, for lack of a better term, personal favorites. I mean, we have a ton of personal favorites, but it's kind of a good, we're kind of in that transition period right now where, you know, D1 coaches can't be on the road recruiting anymore. Fall events are starting to wind down. We're coming off of the last week of the, the Arizona Fall Classic. We've seen some Juco baseball. We've just kind of seen a lot and things are kind of starting to slow down a little bit. 
Uh, so we've each gone through and, and picked some uncommitted players just to talk about today. Um, 10 guys from the state of Texas, and then we're going outside the state of Texas for a couple of select guys from, from different areas. But before we get into that, just Drew, any just general thoughts of like where recruiting is in the calendar right now? What's next? What What's important? Maybe what piece of advice we should give to those guys that are uh, those 2025 guys that are kind of entering their first slow period from a contact standpoint. And then also those 2024 guys who are maybe kind of looking around and, and thinking, okay, what should I do to help myself as I, as I'm getting ready for my final senior season? Yeah. For, for, for that 24 group, um, you know, it seems like some schools have figured out that this is a good time to do like a, you know, couple of camps. Um, yes. So, you know, if, if you've had some communication with some of these schools and they're offering a camp that you know that, and and they can tell you that they're actually going to be in attendance, uh, you know, cause that's the thing that the camps can be hit or miss based on what coaches are going to be there. Um, now that the off campus recruiting windows closed, you know, there's a pretty good chance that they will be there, but I would still try to do everything I can to find out and make sure who is going to be there to see if there's any decision makers from a staff, but you know, some of these teams are going to be finishing up their fall period. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'd spend some time, you know, uh, reaching out and figuring out what camps are going to be beneficial, what's being offered, who's going to be there. Um, And, and, you know, remembering too, like, I mean, this, the, the recruiting landscape has changed because of the new rules and the portal and all that. Um, and you know, I, I caution people from panicking because there's still time, um, you know, signing day is coming up for, for division one, for guys that, that have, um, that have, or that will sign a letter of Mm -hmm. intent, but there's still a lot of movement to take place in the spring. Um, you know, and, and sometimes it's a lot more, uh, pointed movement because these programs will know who's what they've got after going through a fall. Um, They're going to have an idea of what their roster is going to look like at this time next year. And so they're going to have more specific needs, um, which can be a good thing for guys. Um, So, you know, I, I, I would encourage you guys to reach out, you know, communicate with the schools, uh, you know, just have some, try to have some blunt conversations be like, you know, find out if if you're really an option for some of these schools. Mm -hmm. And if you are, and have a chance to get to a camp that they're going to be at and suggest that you go to, then like, then that's an option. Um, You know, and we'll, we'll do some stuff over the next couple of weeks too. You know, it's kind of some off season pieces and things that guys might be doing, but you know, as guys wind down for the fall um, you know, it's, you know, going back to our discussion um, with Alan Jager, you know, I mean, be thinking about what you're going to be doing from a training standpoint, whether it's, throwing programs, weightlifting, uh, recruiting, like don't let this time be wasted. You know, I think that's kind of the key thing, like get ready for your big senior year, you know, spend some time in the weight room, you know, take care of your body, you know, start eating right, leading up into the holidays and, you know, just getting a good routine Um, and just don't waste time. I mean, it's pretty simple Uh, for the 25s. Um, so a lot of similar stuff. I mean, I don't think the urgency to go to the camps is as great. Now, that's not saying don't go to them because there's still some real benefit to them. But, 
you know, if you're tired, you know, and you don't think that you're in a spot that you're going to perform to your best abilities, take that into consideration, you know, like don't necessarily, no need to go to a camp if you don't think you're going to have your best showing. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, spending some time looking at where you are in the recruiting process, you know, you know, being, find somebody in your corner that's realistic, um, you know, that can give you an idea of where you are currently and understand that that can change from this time this year to this time next year, a lot can change. Um, and a lot of it just comes down to development. Um, you, as a 25, you definitely should not be in a panic and trying to find somewhere frantically to go because there's so much time uh, for you in this process. And, you know, I know there's a, you know, people in the industry do a good job of making you feel like you're running out of time or you're running out of spots. But in reality, since the recruiting process has slowed down, you know, it's, uh, it's not, it's not the same that it was a couple of years ago, looking back at it for, for a guy that's a junior right now. So be patient, understand that the development is the key piece. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's what you need to be focused on at this time, you know, get ready for that junior season. Cause a lot can happen between now and this time next year. Um, and just you know, work, work about work on being a better baseball player. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think that, colleges wisely like you said have looked at this time period as a great time to have camps because of the recruiting calendar and and the contact rules and the way things are now and it's a it's it's a long list of programs just in in texas that are having camps soon um now i'm looking at a list my buddy uh jonathan wilson who does a great job um i always see him when i go to ralph's high school games and helping kids with some exposure in the area but um, you know, SFA, uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, ACU, Tarleton, Baylor, Houston, Incarnate Ward, A&M, Houston Christian, UTRGV, Sam Houston, like Texas, like the list goes on. I mean, all these places are having camps within like basically the next four weeks. So mm-hmm. chances are there is a program near you that fits your talent level that's probably having something like this. Um, I know, you know, junior colleges have been doing stuff like that as as well in between, you know, they have a pretty busy fall schedule with exhibitions and tournaments and things like that, but they've, they've even been hosting some players as well. Uh, so, you know, do your due diligence, be proactive. I think that the 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 two most critical things a player could do right now, regardless of, of classification, although this is less important for the 25s, because when you consider junior colleges aren't really recruiting that group intensively yet um, is to start thinking about what you're doing in your off season from a strength and conditioning standpoint, a skill development standpoint, what that sort of stuff, and then get, get to a camp and get to a camp that realistically fits your talent level. You know, like if you're a 2024 and you haven't heard from the likes of Texas and Texas state and ACU and, and okay. It's like, okay, maybe I need to kind of look at some of the junior colleges or the D twos or, or things like that. Um, you know, kind of find a, find a good realistic type of place to go to a camp. And then, you know, it's guys go there and earn their spots all the time, all the time. Right. Um, you know, especially at those those programs that might not have the boots on the ground or the recruiting time and budgets that some of these, you know, power five programs have like they really kind of lean on these camps this time of the year and they end up finding some really, really good players. So 
Um, I think those are the two most critical things right now. And, and it's it's a good time to really start to think about what your off season is going to look like. Um, now that the fall is really, really winding down. So, um, yeah. and, and always reach out to us. If you have any questions, we try to help out anybody that we can in terms of, you know, Hey, what should I be doing right now? Hey, what do you think about this, that? Uh, Cause we know this process can be, uh, can be pretty difficult to navigate, but um, all right, we've got a list of, of guys. We thought it was kind of a good time speaking of the uncommitted players and things like that. Maybe just to shine a little, little extra light on some guys that have caught our attention, whether it's, last spring whether it's the summer whether it's the fall recently um and, and pick and choose a couple of guys just to highlight from the uncommitted list um do you want to lead us off with your five guys from texas for the 2024 class so those guys that they're heading into their their final senior season this spring yeah um i'm gonna go with uh i got three guys that were on our academic team uh this year uh, mm-hmm. one that was on our academic team last year. And then one guy that hasn't been on our academic team, but is very, very good academically. Um, so I'm going to go with, I'm lead it off with Rainer Heinrich. I know we talked about him a lot mm-hmm. last week. He's a guy that I think can really hit very physically mature, uh, and can really run. You know, I, I think he can play depending upon where he goes, he can play in the middle infield. I think he could be a really good center fielder. Um, but just, I mean, he can hit like that was, you know, we, we, we've seen it. You've talked about it. You know, I got an upfront look at it um, over a couple games span last week and like the guy can hit, there's just, mm-hmm. there's no question about it. And, you know, and when he gets on base, he can do something about it. You know, he can take bases. Um, he's a real threat to run uh, good instincts on the bases. I just, I, I really like him as a player. I think there's, there's, there's definitely some division one spots for him. Um, yes. you know, I know, you know, there's some really good Juco's after him. I think, you know, I think he's a really good player and I think that he's going to help somebody early because of his physical and physical maturity. And then, you know, just, just his tools. Like I, I think he's an advanced player. Um, and I'm going to move to another guy we talked about last week, Sam Stevens, Samuel Stevens from, uh, McCallum in Austin. Um, really, really good student, uh, really, really can pitch. And, you know, we talked about it last week also, but he's young for his grade, um, could realistically be a junior right now. Mm-hmm. And when you look at his frame and you look at his pitch ability, uh, it's impossible to think that he doesn't have another big jump in there. Um, but I, I can't say enough about him. You know, I think he's a guy that, you know, like you said, he knows how to pitch, and because of that, he has a chance to pitch early wherever he goes. Um, and you know, if he does make that jump that you think is in there, um, there's a real chance that he's a Friday night guy somewhere uh, at the next level for sure. Because just because of the pitchability, I mean, on Friday night, you want a guy that's a a tone setter, a guy that you know is going to go deep in the game. Yeah. Um, and I think his arsenal and feel for pitching allows you to do that. Um, from a stuff standpoint, Deegan Kubot from Richardson Pierce uh, is a big 2024 arm. Um, he's kind of blown up this fall. Uh, we had him pitch in Arizona with us. Um, stuff is really good. And I think there's a lot more, you know, with the understanding that he's still working his way back from Tommy John. Um, you know, he's still in that window that you expect him to continue to make pretty 
healthy gains uh, over in, in a short period of time. Like, I mean, if you, he's been up to 92, 93 this fall, um, he's got a really good breaking ball, uh, physically imposing, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot there. And I mean, if you, if you told me, you know, sometime in April that he's throwing 94, 95, 96, like it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and, you know, I, some of these guys coming back off Tommy John, you know, there, there can be some command issues. And I think in some outings, he's, he's displayed some of that, but he's also shown some real ability to consistently throw strikes too. Yeah. So it'll, you know, it's just a process. It'll continue to take some time, but I was really impressed with them with us last week um, because he commanded the ball. I thought he pitched really maturely for a setting like that. And, you know, I think there's, there's a lot to like Um, moving to a guy who, uh, played with us last year, a two-way guy, uh, Tommy Mulkern from Frisco, uh, is a guy that I just, I, I love him as a player. He's hyper competitive. He can play middle infield, third base at a high level, uh, top of the order kind of bat, can run. Uh, and then he, he's a good guy coming out, of, you know, coming out of the pen, right? Like I mean, he, he had a role like that for, for Frisco last year on a really, really good team that had some other good arms. And he was a guy that they could count on at the back end of games. And just like I said, that competitiveness and the stuff, I mean, you know, he's been up to 90. He's um, he's got a good breaking ball. And like I said, he just, his mentality, he just comes at you uh, again, another guy that's a really, really good student. And then moving to our, to my last guy, Cameron Johnson from Midway, um, big physical right-handed pitcher with really good grades. Um, he's a guy that, you know, he's likely to get academic money pretty much wherever he goes. Um, you know, the, the delivery is a little bit different, but a lot of times we talk about how different is good. <laughs> and yeah. Cameron fits in into that mold for me. I mean, I've seen him pitch big playoff games uh, in big time atmosphere. So like, he's not a guy that's afraid of the big stage. Um, the stuff is really good. I think there's a lot more in there. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, if you look up and he's throwing mid nineties in a couple of years, that won't surprise anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and academically he can go just about anywhere in the country. So um, he's a guy that, you know, I, I don't know exactly what, where he is in the process, but I know he's uncommitted. And I, I think there's, you know, he's a chance to make somebody really happy, you know, as a late pickup this, this spring or, you know, who maybe even before the end of the, end of the fall, but uh, impressive arm, you know, physical uh you know seems to really understand and like pitching you know i mean i think he's a very curious kid and has you know done some stuff uh like going to see tom house and all that mm-hmm. that you know get you know he's he he's clearly um curious at least you know yeah. from our conversations with him about about what it takes to be a really good pitcher and i think that he's got a good idea of what it's going to take and that he's far from a finished product so um another guy that I think is going to be a good late pickup for somebody. Yeah. He's curious about the the right information that can aid your development, like the biomechanical side and, and, you know, understanding that, Hey, you're, you're, you're a big, strong kid. Like how to have an efficient delivery, like how to make sure you're leveraging all that the right way. And, you know, he threw really deep into the, you know, spring season and then pitched a lot in the summer. And what do we say about guys like that is sometimes the velo starts to tick down a little bit. Um, so I wasn't surprised when I saw he popped up again in the fall and was thrown really, really hard again. So 
I have a sneaking suspicion he's probably not going to be uncommitted for much longer, um, just the way things have gone for him um, in the fall. But um, good list. You know, anytime you're leading off a list with my guy Rainer, that's that's uh, that's that's a good list to have for sure. Um, my five 2024 guys start with Drew Saucedo from Brandeis. Uh, middle infielder um, actually played some center field impressively for uh, Texas 12 South Texas group um, in the Manly, but plus plus runner, the swings gotten better. He's gotten stronger. I, I think there's more gap to gap ability off the bat. Now uh, I've seen him for a couple of years now. He's caught my eye when I went to go see Jalen Flores a couple of times, a couple of years ago, went back to see Brandeis again. And there he was smacking extra base hits um, you know, I, I think he's a middle of the diamond player. He plays shortstop at the high school level. I think he probably in college fits better as a second baseman or maybe even a center fielder because he can really run. Uh, but he can hit. Um, he plays hard. I mean, it's like 4041 down the line all the time, and he's gotten noticeably stronger. Uh, so I think he's gonna be a really quality ad for somebody. Um, Anthony Ramirez, uh, I think is a great story, and you know, he's he's a guy that began the summer on, on Texas 12 gold and started throwing really, really well. He's more, more known as kind of a catcher uh, from Deer Park and got on the mound. It was really impressive. And by the end of the summer, you know, there he is throwing huge innings for Texas 12 Red Sox in the Mattingly, um, actually pitching that, started that championship game for them. Uh, seen him up to 90, a lot of strikes, quality breaking ball. There's, there's a, Definite change up in there as well. Strong kid who's who's going to get stronger. I think this is a starter's profile. I think he's kind of still the guy that's flying a little bit under the radar. And it's it's ha- the hardest position, I think, to be in in high school baseball right now to get recruited is a right-handed pitcher because there's just so many of them. So it's, you know, sometimes there's just like, it's just a matter of being seen by the right person that's still kind of looking for that. Um, just because it's just that there are a lot of really, really good right-handed pitchers in Texas. And another one on my list, um, teammate of Raina Heinrich at Rouse High School is Oscar Salazar. Really, really good academically. Um, a guy that could be in the 2025 class from an age standpoint. I've seen him up to 90. Uh, there's some life to the fastball. True slider that can throw for strikes. He's pitching a lot of big games. Throws a ton of strikes. Strong kid's gonna be a physical presence on the mound. He's a two-way guy, but I've I've always really liked him as a pitcher. I know he went up to UTA's. Uh, I think they had a team camp up there this fall, and he faced seven guys and he struck out all seven. Uh, so he's been throwing the ball well this fall. He threw well in our summer stuff. Big fan of him. Um, and then Easton Paxton from from West High School played for the Waco Storm this summer. He caught my eye just because he played so hard. Uh, just flying down the right line, like looking for extra bases, selling out defensively. And I liked him as a hitter too. I was like, this guy keeps hitting. And I looked up his summer stats in our event, and I think he had 59 plate appearances, so pretty decent sample size. He hit 513, 620, 769. And this is a guy that's probably 5'10, 5'11, really good athlete, good runner. Um, and he's still racking up those extra base hits as well. He only struck out four times all summer. Uh, I think he's been a two-time All-State selection in football as well as a defensive back. Um, so multi-sport standout guy. I, I'm just a, I, I think this is the kind of guy that gets into a program somewhere and they're like, wow, how did we get this guy? Uh, just from a makeup standpoint, athleticism, and the skill as well. 
And then the last guy on my 2024 list is uh, is Coleman Ryan from Tomball, um, plays for um, Marucci Elite, Texas Dunn. And I think that he's, you know, we see it sometimes with high schools that are really, really good and really, really deep. Sometimes there's just really, really good players that maybe don't get an opportunity until really late in their careers. And I think that's kind of what's happened to Coleman a little bit. Um, I actually saw him a couple years ago when I could, went to go see Jarrett Curtis and Chase Mora and Chase Mora got hurt. And here comes this, you know, kind of scrawny sophomore in a play shortstop. And it was like one of the better defensive performances I've seen in high school since I've been doing this. Um, so I've seen up to 91 miles an hour on the mound. He's grown recently. He's, he's a good athlete. Um, used to be a good football player. Uh, I still think that there's some real defensive ability at shortstop in there. And he's just, you know, he plays on a great summer team that has a bunch of infielders and it's just, he's been a part of a bunch of really, really good teams. And I don't think he's quite been able to shine as much as his skill and talent suggests he could. So I, I think he's a diamond in the rough. I think that's a guy that colleges should do some work on um, because he's definitely talented and athletic enough to keep playing at the next level. And as a guy, I think, you start hitting them some ground balls at shortstop and see how quickly the feet and how how well he gets the ball out of the glove. Uh, I, I think you'd be really, really surprised at his ability there. So those are my five 2024 guys from the state of Texas. All right. Well, jumping back to 2025. Um, gonna, this was hard because there are so many good 2025 guys uncommitted right now. Yeah, I, I picked out a couple that, you know, I was either really familiar with or that have just been so good consistently that um, I, that they are guys that, I mean, I think could have some movement soon or, yeah. you know, one of them's coming off an injury um, that is an elite player. But I'm going to start with Brody Kale um, from the sticks. He's a homeschool guy, um, big time pitcher, big time arm. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, on a, on a loaded, loaded six team is a guy that, you know, along with Marcos Paz, if they need to win a big game, a lot of times the sticks are looking to him. Um, you know, he's definitely been up to 92, maybe even higher, um, just competitor has done it, you know, performs, you know, in big games and has for a long time. Um, you know, so he, he's a guy that I think, you know, just be patient. Um, I think that he's going to have some opportunities to go somewhere, you know, as long as he just keeps stacking up performances. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's, it, you know, there's, there's another one I'm going to talk about, but like coming from that homeschool, um, setting, you know, that that's, that's another layer to it. Um, and I think, you know, it's becoming more and more common and the level of homeschool teams that are, we're seeing play in the spring now are is night and day to what it was, you know, pre pre COVID, you know, yeah. I think there's been an explosion in a number of kids that have done that since then, but, uh, but Brody's uh, he's a winner. Um, he's a guy that you can count on in, in big spots. So I think it's only a matter of time for him. Another guy from the same sticks team, uh, JJ Adrogo out of white house mm -hmm. is a guy that he, he missed this summer with a, with an injury. Um, I think he's either he's been released or he's close to being released. Um, but he's got elite tools. Like he's strong. Mm -hmm. He can absolutely fly. Um, and I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, once he gets back and play in the spring and in the summer, he's going to be a, a very hot commodity, but just, a, I, he was one of my favorite guys two summers ago. 
Um, you can see, cause I, I like, I mean, he's, he's got that profile where he can just, he's strong. He's got extra base hit ability and it can just fly. I mean, he's, he, there's no denying the speed. So uh, I'm excited for him to be healthy and back out on the field. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to, you're going to hear a lot about over the next couple of years. Um, uh, my next guy was on, played some for our academic team. Uh, this, uh, the junior group rock doer, uh, guy that we've known for a long time. You know, a lot of people are familiar with his brother, Jake, that's at TCU, but rock is a really good player himself. And you know, it's funny. I, I feel like rock is everywhere, right? Like he, he goes to everything. And I think, you know, some, some guys have a feel that, you know, they're just going to stuff to go to stuff because they can, but for, for rock, I think it's just, he loves baseball. You know, I had a good chat with his dad and it was, I was like, man, you know, rock rocks, rocks everywhere. And he's like, well, he just, he just loves playing. You know, what else is he, what else is he going to be doing if he's not mm-hmm. playing ball at this time of year, you know, it's right. playing video games. Um, but you know, rocks great, man. I, I love, I love his demeanor on the field. He's aggressive, uh, can play, play infield, can play outfield, can really hit, can run good arm. got a lot of tools. Uh, he's just a baseball player, a lot like his brother. Um, you know, he's got a good feel for the game and, and just, has a really good idea of what he's trying to do in the box. Uh, but he's going to be a, a guy that's going to have some opportunities and I'm looking forward to seeing him get some time for Marcus this year. Uh, then I'm going to stay in, stay in the hometown as a Homer, uh, Evan lawn. You know, I, I didn't get to see him out in Arizona, but I've seen him enough. I know like he can really hit. Yeah. Right? And I know, know you were a big fan of his with the bat, mm-hmm. but physical, uh, strong, you know, has a good feel for the, for the barrel, um, knows what he wants to do when he gets in the box. So I think Evan's going to be a guy that is going to be on a lot of people's lists um, to watch this spring and summer. Uh, and then moving, my last guy is another guy that, another homeschool guy that uh, just rakes. I mean, to put it simple, like every time he's in any of our stuff, I always feel like I look up and he's like rounding second. Yeah, for yeah I was going to say he's probably yeah. on second base. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, at the very least, he doesn't hit singles. All he does is hit extra bases. But if you go through his if you go through his profile or his Twitter um, or X feed, uh, just littered with player of the game. And there's mm-hmm. always like two, two for three with a double and a triple. I mean, we've seen him hit home runs. Um I, you know, I've, I, I made this comparison to him, uh, to Zach Dillon, who played at Baylor and is currently coaching at Baylor, but he reminds me of a guy they had named Chris Durbin, uh, and, and kind of like, honestly, for you, you'll, you'll understand this one probably better if you don't remember Chris, cause that was a long time ago. Uh, but Connor Rowe, um, okay, yeah. athletic, twitchy, mm-hmm. uh, extra base hit can run, you know, a little thin, uh, but like, the bat speed and the athleticism, the twitch, um, impacts the ball and he plays for the impact. So I guess, you know, dad joke, but, um, just a really good player really performs. You know, I just, I don't see him stopping or slowing down when it comes to the extra base hits. Uh, but just, just a really good player, fun to watch always. So that, that, uh... that's my, that's my 25 list. He's got four player of the game badges in uh, we From actually this fall? To, we, <laughs> we actually need to add a fifth. Uh, he picked up one a couple of days ago as well. So, um, you know, just just one of those guys, like you said, like it's you look up and he's 
um, he's typically on second base. And, uh, and, yeah, and that's, that's, that's not like going all the way back in the, in the logs either. I mean, he's, he, there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I mean, uh, TSA, TSA event that we had this fall, you know, there he is picking up another one. So, um, yeah, he's, uh, a lot of he, he takes a he's had a lot of practice having his photo taken after games because <laughs> um, he typically hits um, hits so well. But, yeah, I've never noticed homeschool prospects as homeschool prospects as often as I do now, because it, the level of player on those types of teams is really, uh, really changed. Like I've started the uh, outlining our, our first 2025 list and. Yeah, I mean, there's there's probably going to be a couple guys on there that are yeah. that are homeschool guys. Um, you know, I can think of at least two that are that are going to be on there. So it's it's really really dramatically changed since then. Um, before I get into my list of 2025 guys, remind y'all that we are brought to you by Hitforth. We talked about um, college prospect camps earlier, and if you've ever been to one, you've probably noticed that the coaches are tracking everything. Many staffs will even have trackmen showing live info on their video board during batting practice and scrimmages, which we love. Thank you, colleges. Keep doing that, please. Um, it's not just eye candy. They track data such as exit velocity and bat speed because it helps them identify skill sets that will translate and work at the college level. And more and more high schools are doing this as well. In fact, one of the most prominent high school programs in Austin, Texas, sends an email to incoming freshmen detailing what they view as acceptable exit velocity and bat speed. Simply put, if you can't hit the ball hard enough and consistently enough, you aren't going to get as many looks in high school and in college. So as the game moves more and more towards embracing tech and data, you're doing yourself a disservice if you aren't training with a staff that utilizes and understands both. The team at Hitforth in Austin, Texas is creating the standard for developing explosive and adjustable hitters. When you train at Hitforth, you will develop the power coaches are looking for, whether challenging the fences or drilling hard liners to all fields. Learning to move faster and swing faster will also make you a more adjustable hitter and improve your ability to make contact because the quicker you can swing the bat means the more time to recognize pitches before you're deciding to swing. The best part about Hitforth is the accountability. Since the staff tracks every aspect of every swing you take, you get objective feedback about your improvements. Numbers don't lie. Check out hitforth.com to learn how you can get started. And I, I'm telling you, the work these guys do, I mean, full-time staff, they literally are tracking everything and you're getting instant feedback. You're getting it from the video side. You're getting it from the statistics side. You're getting it from the data side. You're getting the explanation about why these things matter, you know, and it's, it's not throwing a bunch of crazy jargon at 13 year olds. Everything's scaled because it's all individualized development. This isn't this cookie cutter, get in a batting cage. Somebody's going to throw you balls for 30 minutes. Uh, it's a very personalized, um, researched, um, developed. Uh, it, it, it's it's all it's just a total person and player development. I mean, the the time these guys put into it from developing their programs every single day when they meet as a staff before players come in um, to deciding, hey, maybe you work with this guy today because you're better at teaching this aspect of a swing or how to hit this pitch. Or, you know, the strength and conditioning side, which we always say is critical, um, and especially this time of the year, and not just going in somewhere and moving weight around, like actually having an idea of how to move, how to move quicker, 
more efficiently with more explosive elements to help you as a baseball player. Uh, they really have it all. It's, it's hands down the best I've seen in central Texas. And I, I can't recommend it strongly enough. Um, you go check those guys out at hitforth.com and hit forth on Twitter and Instagram. My 2025 guys, it was hard to pick five because there's just so, so many of them right now, but um, Cord Rager from, from May Pearl. Um, I can't imagine he's probably hanging out and committed for much longer. I saw he just, he visited Texas yeah. A&M recently. He's a, uh, dude. he's a dude. He's a two-way guy. That's like a legitimate dude from the left side on the mound and also from the plate. Um, and how he's, he's big. What we say is probably like six, three, six, four. Like I'm trying to think what we have him listed at. Um, he's a big kid, but he's also a big kid that doesn't move awkwardly for being a big kid. He moves well. Like it's, it's, it's a good delivery for a 2025 guy. Yeah. We got to listen at six, five, two fifteen, which I think is accurate. So, um, he can end up a middle of the order masher from the left side with the bat, or he can end up a guy that ends up on the mound as well as, you know, a potential weekend starter down the road, really, really talented two-way player. Um, that is definitely major. You talk about badges. I'm looking at his profile right now. Five player of the games, three hot lists, two hitter of the game, one pitcher of the game. So that's uh, that's pretty, pretty good. And I do think we need to give some love to our guy, Jeff Kahn, for this. I, I'd never even heard of May Pearl and May Pearl was, you know, playing deep into the state tournament and uh, Jeff got some video of him. And then sure enough, I was like, the first time I see him after that, I was like, whoa, this guy is, is, is the real deal. So yeah. um, just, just goes to show you, we, uh, we don't just cover the the big name high school programs. Um, May Pearl high school, getting some love from five tool during the spring season as well. Second guy on my list is a guy we're familiar with. Um, Tanner Carson from some South Lake Carroll, another guy I can't imagine is hanging out uncommitted very long. Uh, I know he's been taking a lot of college visits, but um, I, I just like, I, I think that he's one of the better third basemen in the state. And we just talked about, you know, hit forth and valuing things like bat speed and things like that. He's got really quick hands and a really quick bat. And I think that it's, it's going to really serve him well in the future. I think he's got hitting feel. I think he's got ability to impact the baseball. I think as he continues to grow and add strength, um, some of those balls are going to start flying over the fence. Um, and I like him defensively at third base too. I think there's some soft hands. I think there's some arm strength. I think there's some natural of, of feel for playing the position. Uh, I know I, he's, he's great about kind of sharing, you know, the recruiting process and things like that. And, I know we talked about going to a couple camps and moving around the diamond and playing different positions and how that can help you and things like that. Um, he's just a baseball player, but he's also got some tools as well. And I think he's going to have a, a huge season at South Lake Carroll. Um, he's definitely going to end up being one of the better players in the 2025 class. Uh, Preston Sullivan, a guy that, that I saw uh, in the pudge this summer for the first time uh, from Houston Episcopal High School. One of my favorite right-handed pitchers in the 2025 class. Delivery, slider's really good. Uh, distinct curveball as well. Change up, uh, strike throwing. I, I think that this guy has all the ingredients to become one of the better right-handed pitchers in Texas for the 2025 class. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that program in the spring because, you know, our guy Miles Young is down there as well, coming off the, the great area code that he had. And 
Um, you know, they've got some, they've got a talented roster um, down there and you know, straight Jesuits of the world and things like that. I'm looking forward to seeing those guys in spring, but Preston Sullivan is a guy to me, I think he's going to make a major jump this year, his junior season. Um, Reese Ogden, uh, a guy that really caught my eye from our TSA event in the fall goes to Lovejoy high school, um, six, two, maybe even six, three, about 200 pounds, left-handed hitting, uh, catcher. I think long-term he probably profiles better as a first baseman, but I think the bat and the power is going to be enough to where it, it's a real hitting profile that's going to attract, uh, I think, some some D one attention down the road. Um, and he, for a guy that's like six two or six three, in you know two hundred pounds, like he's still got some projection. Like if you told me down the road, hey man, this guy's six foot four, you know two twenty five and carrying it well um, as a high school senior, I'd be like yeah, that's that that kind of makes sense, but. Um, I thought of that underclass group at um, the Texas Scouting Association event we did. I thought his at-bats and his swing from the left side probably stood out more to me um, than maybe any of anyone else I saw. I think there's – he hit a ball foul that, like, probably went into that little creek um, back behind, you know, those the right field, the big monster, stuff like that. He crushed mm-hmm. the ball. Um, last guy on my list, Cody Palacios from Magnolia West was the uh, – um, pitching MVP um, of the Pudge, which is uh, he's he's a two way guy, uh, but I think he's probably better known for for an outfielder, right handed hitting outfielder. And you know when I saw Magnolia Western spring against Lake Creek, his at bat really stood out to me against a really good arm in Weston Moss, who ended up going to Texas A and M. Uh, he said this summer it's a good swing. There's some bat speed. There's athleticism. Um, I mean, he's probably above average, maybe plus runner. There's, there's a lot to like, he's, he's a winner. Like this guy won a state championship. Uh, he won a ton of games in the summer. Uh, I looked in the fall, he was making things happen in the fall. I, I don't think that's an accident. You know, when guys are on teams that win a lot of baseball games, there's, there's usually a reason for that. So, um, coming off of, of an MVP in the pudge for his work on the mound in that championship game. Uh, but he's definitely a, a right-handed hitting outfielder that can really swing it. And I think he's going to have a big year at Magnolia West as they try to repeat. Yeah. Uh, I, several of those guys, I mean, I, like you said, I don't think Cord Rager stays uncommitted very long. Mm. Uh, we've got a long history with Tanner. Uh, one of my favorite just kids, like just like he loves him some baseball. Um, yes. And he has done any and everything to him, improve himself. Uh, and I don't see that changing. Um, but man, it's, it's been fun to watch him just mature physically. It's, it's a good, you know, now it, that's been one of the most interesting slash rewarding parts of being in this job is like, you get to see these kids, how much they develop mm-hmm. <clears throat> over the course of a couple of years. And, you know, I mean, my opinions on a lot of things have changed just by, from year to year, just, you know, watching how these kids do develop. And, and it's, it's one reason that I am glad that this the recruiting has slowed down some um just you know i think there's a lot of good things that come of the recruiting process being slower uh and one of them is just that it gives the kids out on the whole an incentive to keep getting better yes um you know i think that you know maybe not even consciously but you know some of these kids that commit as fresh and this is certainly a generalization, not specific to anybody, uh, because it's not always the case. But generally, I think that, you know, just 
by human nature, your want to improve and, you know, do that, it, not dwindled by committing. Um, but if we're being honest, there's probably a lot of kids that, you know, did commit that early and probably didn't take their development as seriously as they could have, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and it may be just little things here and there, like, Hey, you know, you want to go hang out with your friends more, or do you want to go hit in the cage until it's time to be done for the night? You know, like, you know, just decisions like that, that, you know, I mean, it's easy and it's human nature to, you know, want to do that kind of stuff. And there's a time and a place for all of it. But, you know, when you don't know where you're going and you want to, and you know, you need to continue to prove yourself and, you know, work towards something, it just, it just human nature tells you that that's going to, for most people, um, that's going to allow you to work harder. Um, you know, like I said, that's a generalization. So it's not the case for everybody, but, um, Tanner is a great representation of that. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, uh, he's not afraid to do something uncomfortable, right. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of kids do because there's a lot of failure involved in that. Mm -hmm. And Tanner is not afraid of that. And he's not afraid to try new things. Um, and as a result, I think he'll be rewarded for it because he's turned him in himself into a really, really good baseball player that I think has a lot more room to continue to get better. And based on his work ethic, I think he will. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, like a lot of the guys you, that you listed. Yeah. And one thing to, before we get into our out-of-state guys here that we picked, one thing I really like about this new calendar is it's made recruiting visits matter more, you know, like it's actually kind of cool now that you get guys that are, later in their stages of development in, you know, the juniors and, and to a lesser extent, the seniors, but the seniors as well. And like these guys coming out of summer, now these big time juniors, like it's like those visits matter. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. a big deal. Cause yeah. you kind of like have a better idea of where you stand as a player and the programs kind of have a better idea of, you know, who they're going after and things like that. And uh, it's been fun to follow, like, you know, the whole recruiting visit, element matters more than it used to, you know, when sometimes guys are just showing up when they were 14 years old and committing by the time they left after a one day visit. Um, it's, it's kind of a, kind of a big deal as well. So, um, all right, we went through and uh, each selected a player from New Mexico, California, Colorado, um, junior college ranks, Oklahoma and Arizona. Uh, just, you know, we've been seeing a lot of these players recently. We've been doing a lot of coverage, um, from these areas. Uh, so thought it'd be fun to kind of just pick a player each, um, from, from those respective areas. Uh, we'll start in New Mexico and I'll lead us off with, uh, with Matthew Delaney, uh, who, who attends the, uh, Albuquerque Academy there in New Mexico, uh, right-handed pitcher, really quick arm. I think we had him up to 90 miles an hour this fall at one of our events, uh, deep arsenal starters profile. Um, you know, New Mexico is starting to pump out, pump out some arms. Um, you know, they had some 2026s this last week. It was like, whoa, like these guys are going to be really good. 
Um, it seems like every year now they have more of the, the, you know, the Zach K matches of the world. Like there's more of those guys coming through. So I think Matthew Delaney from Albuquerque Academy has got a chance to be one of those dudes uh, in the 2025 class. And you, you took one, you got one of my absolute favorite guys that, that I've seen this fall and that we've been following for a while. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Adriel Figueroa Brito, uh, 2025 from, uh, Sandia, uh, another ABA product. Um, he's a dude like bottom line, like the guy can play baseball. Uh, he's, he's not gigantic, but like he makes up for that. I mean, he's got pop. Um, there's some Twitch there. He's been in the nineties already off mm-hmm. the mound. Uh, and I, he's just a gamer. Like the dude rakes. I mean, I, I saw a, a clip of him from, I guess from perfect game this last week that just like, he, crushes a homer and he's got some bad speed yeah and i mean like this guy can really play the game Mm -hmm. um you know i just every time i see him he does something and that that matters to me like it's kind of like going back to like aiden mcnulty like the dude just rakes like every time you look up he's like round and second or you know he's he's in the middle of something um just a, a really really good player um that he's a dude i mean bottom line yeah, he's he's it's not just talent. There's some actual ability to really play the game at a high level. Uh, moving over to California, uh, I'm going back to our area code coverage. Uh, Eric Rico, right handed pitcher from the 2025 class from Redwood High School, uh, multi sport guy. He's also a guy that plays football at Redwood as well. And uh, I, I thought it was a really promising four pitch mix, feel for spin, uh, breaking ball's got a chance, lively change up. Fastball was up to 89, pretty easy delivery. It's just one of those guys I think is just kind of scratching the surface of what he could become on the mound um, with that that sort of delivery and that feel for spin and that athleticism. Uh, I know he had a really good sophomore year. I think he threw something like 40, you know, not not a whole lot of innings, but I think he threw like 28 innings and struck out like 50 guys um, as a sophomore uh, last year at, at Redwood. So I think he's poised to uh, – to keep climbing up the ranks there. And it's certainly going to be a guy I think that's going to end up making a division one program really happy down the road. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to save an area code guy too. Anthony pack uh, mm-hmm. was just one of my favorite players um, that I saw at the area code game. Like he's a guy athletically, he's elite uh, like his swing. And you could tell it was funny. I, when I was sitting who scouts, I was sitting with, you know, pointing out, it's like, man, like, watch this guy. Whenever, whenever he's on time, like, it's, it's special. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's got really good bat to ball skills, I think. And, you know, when he, when he does make sure he gets that timing down uh, consistently, and you, you saw him do it as the event went on. Like, mm-hmm. he was adjusting to the elite pitching, like most kids at that age are. Um, but I know he's been on some big visits. Um, he is, got a chance to be an elite player, but possibly a draft guy uh, out of high school. I mean, he's that athletic and that gifted, uh, but big fan of his. I think he's a really good player, and I doubt that he is um, uncommitted very much longer, but he's said. Yeah, he's yeah, – we talk about athleticism and, and tools and things like that, and he's a guy that, that often checks the list there. Um, Colorado. Going to my guy, Connor Larkin, left-handed hitting first baseman from Cherry Creek. Uh, he hit in our summer events when they came down for the pudge. Stand out there with his swing. 
Uh, I know he's an area code guy with with that Reds group, and then he pops up in the Arizona Fall Classic and hits a bomb and, and has a really, really strong offensive performance there as well. This guy just – he hits. Um, he collects hits. It's a good left-handed swing. And, you know, I know it's, you know, defensive profile, first baseman, not a ton of power. Yeah, that can make people a little – a little hesitant, but um, this guy just continues to really hit from the left side of the high level. And uh, I, I think that he's going to end up making a program really happy down the road. But um, Cherry Creek, man, they've got some dudes. Uh, I feel like the Arizona Classic, they had several guys that kind of pop there, and, and he's among them. And I'm expecting him to have a really, really big season, uh, junior season for Cherry Creek. Yeah, I'm going to go with Bryce Robinette, uh, 2024 mm-hmm. from Ponderosa, uh, infielder that looks like he can really hit. You know, it's funny when I scroll through his stuff, there's a couple times I had to like go back and make sure that um, that it wasn't the same video. Uh, but that's how <laughs> the guy, he, he repeats his swing so well um, that, I mean, he's got a good feel for what he's trying to do. Hits a lot of line drives uh, to all parts of the field you know, has hit some home runs in some of our events and even had an in the parker at the Arizona fall classic a couple weekends ago. So um, good athlete can run, can play the infield. Uh, I think, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a good get for somebody here. This the, late in the, late in the process for a 24 good grades too. Good grades. Yeah. Fan, fan, that guy, another guy that every time I feel like we see him, he's, he's hitting and he's able to generate some power too for, you know, he's not the most physically imposing guy, but um, get some bat speed and some impact off the bat there. Um, Arizona, um, Cole Rogers from Mountain Point. We had a really good Arizona fall classic swings, a heavy barrel. I mean, there are times where it's not, he's not even really getting his best swing off and he's kind of out in front. He still gets the barrel on it. He's really driving the baseball with authority, strong kid, athletic, and I was looking back too. Um, he had some really standout moments defensively last spring. Um, he actually made our top ten plays um, highlight video um, that we did, you know, each week during the spring there. And uh, Mount Point's one of those programs that if you are a, in this case, he was a sophomore. If you're a sophomore standing out in a program like that, it's usually really telling about about what kind of uh, what kind of player you are. So. Uh, excuse me, he might be a 2024 guy. I think I wrote that down wrong. But uh, regardless, uh, yeah, he's 2024. If you're sitting out of a program like that, even as an underclassman, it's it's a big, big deal. But really hit the Arizona Fall Classic. I mean, one of those guys that you watch him, and it's like it's it's a little surprising how much impact he generates off the bat because that thing really goes um, from the right side. So good athlete. Uh, he, he's going to be a good pickup from somebody down the road. Uh, yeah, so for Arizona, for me, I'm gonna go with uh 2025 from Hamilton, uh, on uh, the area code team, Jalen Payne. Uh, one of the top players in Arizona, really good athlete, uh, can play center field. Uh, just like the way he swings the bat, you know, mm-hmm. has a good feel, um, good makes good two strike adjustments. Um, you know, just you can tell he just has a good feel for the game, and those guys like that that have a good feel for the game and they can really run. I think those are my favorite type of players. Mm. Uh, and I, I enjoy watching Jalen play in, in San Diego. And I think he's, he's a big time prospect. So. He's another guy that was on our top 10 plays list. I think maybe multiple times. Uh, yeah. For some yeah. highlight real defensive plays. I mean, he could really go get it um, in center field um, for, for Hamilton, uh, Oklahoma uh, Mason Pickering from 
Octawa High School. I probably didn't pronounce that correctly, but uh, an okay fuel guy. So we've seen him, you know, throughout the summer. Left-handed hitting catcher, catch and throw ability, arm strength, uh, got a chance to really impact uh, a game defensively there behind the dish long term. Um, you know, it's uh, good catching profile. Just a guy that I've I've been a fan of every time I've I've seen him. Um, kind of a, a treat to watch those guys. And uh, um, it would have been uh, probably cheating to to pick our guy Carson. That's still hanging out as an uncommitted guy. <laughs> yeah. I, well, like it's funny when when you said that. I start, I just looked them up like while you were talking. Uh, to like make sure that he hadn't committed because I was right. Sure I had to you, do the same. Were, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a big fish still out out on uh, out in the open. So, uh, but yeah, funny you say that. Yeah, I did like double check. I was like, wait, are, is this? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, still, uh, catchers usually don't hang out too long. But it's also too like we talk about the way recruiting is now. These in demand guys can you know can take their, can really take their time and dive into the process, which, which I, I always love hearing when guys do that. Yeah. Uh, for me, one of our festival guys, Jet Hope from Bixby, um, mm-hmm. he's a guy that two-way guy also that uh, can really swing the vat um, has, has had a lot of impact on the mound to this point though. You know, I think he had some really good outings in, in Farmington uh, playing with the Sandlot group, but um I, I like what he does and his athleticism at the plate. I, you know, I, I, I assume he's going to be a pitcher at the next level um, because I think he really, that's, that's where he's had his most success, but man, you, you watch a couple of his swings and you know, it's, there's some athleticism in the swing. He hits the ball hard, got some bat speed. So uh, excited to see him again this spring in the, in our festival. Junior college. Uh, I had to double check to make sure this guy wasn't, wasn't committed either. Uh, Presley Monteforte from Phoenix oh, yeah. College, dude. Yeah. Talk about a, a fun look like, face five batters, punch out all five, left handed pitcher. Nothing he throws is straight, like, nothing. Like, it's like a big horizontal run sinker. He's got a four seamer in the bag with some carry. It's got like a kind of a more overhand breaking ball. He can manipulate it to add some sweep to it, change up. Like it's a full arsenal and, you know, he's not going to blow people away with velocity, but uh, he can pitch. He knows what he's doing with all that stuff. It's a, it's a repeatable delivery. I just feel like that's, that's the kind of guy that like, yeah, he's not a mega prospect, but Good college teams typically have a guy like that, that just whether it's a starter that's eating some innings for you or he's coming out of the pen and providing a unique look like that's a dude that's going to help somebody at the next at the the, the major D1 level. Uh, just a really fun look, uh, just like guys are just baffled by the stuff. And uh, if you haven't seen the outing, just. Uh, you can you can search his name for five tool juco or go to his five tool uh, profile page and we've got it on there. But uh, he, it's going to be fun to see where he ends up. That'll be a fun career to follow because that was a really really awesome performance a couple weeks ago that we captured. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with another guy from the uh, from the D one or excuse me from the D two Arizona game as well. Jonah Johnson uh, mm-hmm. from Chandler Gilbert. 
I I think I said this last week, but like his delivery reminds me of Jack Leiter. Mm-hmm. Some, um, just I don't know, just that's what kept popping up to me when I when I watched him live, and then I went back and watched some on Twitter to make sure that I wasn't crazy, and I still may be, but I like that's just what I see. Um, but I big time arm, pretty effortless. Uh, he's a guy out of Colorado, um, from Discovery Canyon. I believe it was the high school that he went to, uh, but man, currently at Chandler Gilbert in Arizona, uh, elite arm. I just, I, I think there's a lot there. Uh, and it's clear that he has made a big jump from high school to now from a stuff wise. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think there's more in there too, but it's easy. It, like it jumps, uh, can pitch up with the fastball. Um, you know, that's some, you know, must be doing something, you know, on the, on the, spin on the spin side of things. right yeah it's one of those guys you watch and it's like there's probably gonna be some carry or something yeah well going so he, he was he was 92 90 92 which obviously is good um but the swings did not come across as being 90 92 because mm-hmm. they were late and i mean he pitched up in the zone um but it was it was impressive i i, I like him a lot and i think he's going to be a, a, a good get for somebody mm-hmm yeah, as we were doing these, I realized we, uh, well, I forgot to tell us to do Hawaii and Nevada. So one guy from Hawaii, Corey Chu from Mary Knoll, uh, right-handed pitcher, 2024 class, liked the delivery, the athleticism, kind of a lower slot, was really good in the Arizona Fall Classic. Um, I think that's a guy that's got a bright future on the mound as a starting pitcher. And then from Nevada, uh, Rashawn Chavis, a 2025 from Liberty High School, um, he's got some big raw power strong physical kid he hit a bomb in the arizona fall classic that flew way out um and it's a it's a good swing as well uh i think that's gonna be a guy that's gonna be mashing some homers for liberty high school and is gonna find his way to playing college baseball um somewhere so um well you you snuck that one on me i'm gonna well yeah i didn't i didn't mean to but i got as we were doing this i I was kind of looking through my my writing and i was like oh here I am go, writing about a lot of Hawaii guys, and then we don't even list one. Um, gonna, and then Nevada. Go, it's like, I, how could I forget I'm, Nevada? I'm gonna, I'm gonna from from Hawaii. I'm gonna go with Noah Kubo. Um, he's a guy that I always liked, and he's uncommitted. Uh, been infielder catcher from the Mid Pacific Institute. Yeah, but see, that'd have been one like I had to double check because I feel like he's just been a hitter for a he, long he, time. Got some juice. Yes, um, got some real juice. But uh, like him a lot. Um, just think he's a gamer, good baseball player, got some pop. Um, but yeah, so even though you threw it on me, I had that one ready to go. Nevada, give me, give me a second. Give me a second. Yeah, it's, uh, I got through and I was like, well, it wouldn't make sense if, (laughs) cause like the Hawaii guys are everywhere. Like, you know, we do the Sandlot Classic and, uh, they're in the Arizona Fall Classic. They're in the Pudge. They're in the Mattingly. I mean, those guys, uh, they rack up the airline miles for sure. And they always have uh, they always have a bunch of really, really good players. Um, I mean, heck, Kubo, we've written about him one, two, three, four, five times. Uh, so, like, yeah, we, we – uh, I feel like we know our Hawaii guys really, really well. Um What you, do you, all right, Nevada. I'm gonna go Ben Lovering, uh, from Faith. Yeah, Nation. good one. Yeah, I I just I like him as a player. There's some whip there. 
um, hits the ball really hard. Um, I big fan. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with, with Ben, Ben for that one. Yeah. He's, he's got some, uh, he's got some tools for sure. Um, yeah, I kind of like when we go through the Arizona Fall Classic stuff, I end up accidentally just blending all of Arizona and Nevada together. I don't know why I do that, but um, I kind of go through and sometimes treat those guys as like they're like the same state from the same state for some reason. But um, speaking of, I mean, we're, uh, I guess it was the sophomore portion of the Arizona Fall Classic was this past weekend. So uh, we've got a ton of, of video coverage from that event as well. And like, some of the guys that pitched in that that were, I mean, they're already committed because they committed well before the the rules changed. Like, oh my gosh, like, that yeah. twenty twenty seven lefty that's committed to TCU and showed up throwing ninety one with a super quick arm. It's like, man, that's a uh, yeah. They had some they had Pretty some good. dudes on the mound out there in that event for sure. Yeah, there there's no shortage of talent. That's no, it's 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 Arizona, Nevada. I mean, Colorado now too. It just seems like more and more. Um, seems like baseball is really, really growing there. So, um, but before we get out of here, any any final thoughts? Do you do you need to relive analysis of the of the Red River Shootout? Um, I I I all I want I want that to be a rematch because that was a, that was a good game. Arizona, uh-huh. uh, Oklahoma took it from them. I mean, as bottom line, I mean, Texas had the chances. They just made way too many mistakes. Yeah. OU was ready. They had a really good plan and they, um, they were pretty, pretty clean, uh, minus the block kick. But, um, you know, I, I would love to see that matchup again, uh, for yeah. a, a, lo- a lot of reasons, um, you know, selfish to Texas and then, um, this also is a as just some irony for leaving the Big Twelve. Um, yeah, with, the, with with some of the comments that the uh, current commissioner has made, I would love nothing more than that to be the match. Yeah, but you, you know me, I'm I'm a big numbers guy. Um, and I said that they were close heading into that, and like as when the numbers updated, uh, the F plus numbers, which you take, um, Bill Connolly from ESPN does the S and P plus. It takes that. And with Brad Freemau's, um FEI number, and it just basically averages the two. So you get an overall team rating. Um, Oklahoma and Texas are literally like four and five, and Oklahoma is 1.94, and Texas is 1.93. So the numbers paint those two teams as kind of what we saw in the match, just, uh, in the in the game, as being extremely even. But like you, well, I mean, Texas just yeah. ended up making – a couple more really costly mistakes and well Dylan Gabriel just did Dylan Gabriel just did not make a mistake. Like he was near perfect. Even a couple of those third down incompletions at the end of the game, like what he hit Drake Stoops in the numbers one time and he dropped it. Um yeah. and there's another good, drive after that. They, it was a good ball his, that was dropped. His his scrambling is what won the game. Yeah. Um well scrambling and designed runs. I mean that that was the component that Texas didn't wasn't ready for. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how much they planned for it, but it didn't look like a whole lot. Um, no, but judging I mean, that, judging from who they had in those areas from a linebacker position, they they well, didn't it, anticipate you know, that. I you know we've talked well, plenty of people have talked about Jake Majors, the center for Texas too, and he's been a you know he he's been a 
source of frustration for people for a long time, but I think you really saw his value <laughs> when mm-hmm. he went out, mm-hmm. um, you know, ha- having a sin, you know, and it's, it's different too. I mean, you know, starting a, a new center first start ever would be a big, a tall order. Um, mm. and, but you would have the whole week of practice leading up. Connor Robertson did not get that. I thought overall he played okay, but some of the, some of the breakdowns were a result of him yeah. being in there and, you know, I mean, tough, tough ask, you know, for, yeah. for your first real action to be in that game at, at his yeah. age. But um, I mean, you know, I think Texas plays a clean game or, or gets it in, you know, when you're fourth and Doesn't, one, yeah. or when you're first and goal from the one and you don't score, you don't deserve to win. You know, no, like it's that's tough. pretty, pretty, pretty simple. Um, yeah. but you know, it is what it is. That's why you, there's, the you, you mentioned our, our, our buddy, the commissioner. Um, there are three teams in all of college football right now that can claim they've beaten a top 10 F plus team. Can you name all three? Texas. Okay. OU. Okay. You probably won't get the last one. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's kind of obscure. Is it? I mean, I was assuming it was Big 12 because of the way. No. No. I was just, I was saying that because it's Texas and OU. It's, I mean, it's like the two teams bolting the conference or the, and the other yeah. one's Florida, uh, with their win over Tennessee, who's who's ranked tenth in the rankings there. So really, um, huh? That's cool. yeah. So that's okay. It's still a really really strong resume. I would have not gotten that one for for Texas um, in a very very manageable season, uh, schedule the rest of the way. Um, if both teams take care of if 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 both teams take care of business, they'll play again. Yeah. If they don't, they won't. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I think this year could end up being really chaotic because I don't think there's truly many like like head and shoulders elite better than the rest of the pack teams. Yeah. Um, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas, Washington, maybe Oregon, maybe Penn State. I mean, Florida State, Penn State. Like, but there's not like a couple of juggernauts that are just way better than everybody else. So, could be a uh, could be a chaotic time, and uh, those Knolls still hanging out there undefeated, just kind of marching along, marching along. Um, their their rival, their their rival had a had an interesting one. Uh, can you believe clock management? I can't believe that. I, I just I, and the crazy I, thing, even more ridiculous than that idiotic coaching, is like. He's done this in the past. It's like been a been like a thing did for you, him. Did you see the did you see the video of the offensive line coach going? Yes, over? he's yelling at him. Yeah, like, I mean, the ball. yeah. I I cannot I cannot believe that happened. I can't believe it happened against Georgia Tech. Like I can't believe they gave it the touchdown after that. It's just you're paying this guy just got a 10 year, $80 million contract to be the head coach of Miami. You can't make decisions like not kneeling the clock out to win a game, which I, I would have been his well, first home ACC win as Miami's head coach. Well, he hasn't and, won an ACC home game. Well, the, the other like Alabama did something similar. Uh, I don't think that was a coaching one. You could tell uh, Lord Saban wasn't all that thrilled about it. But when 
when they got the first down on the bobble and mm-hmm. then they Jalen Miller <laughs> threw the ball on first down when and threw it incomplete. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah. But, and and uh shout out to my buddy Bud Elliott, who does a bunch of stuff for uh for 24-7 cover three podcast. <laughs> Did you see his tweet from like preseason like early august no he was like um i can't wait for jimbo fisher to hand bobby petrino the play calling duties only for jimbo to still manage the punt decisions and punt from his own 44 from the opposing 44 yard line and like that happened (laughs) that happened this week like the the exact sequence happened he ended up punting on fourth and one from like the other team's like 45 yard line or something like that. Oh man, just talk about that that whole mismanagement of old Jimbo as well. Um, before we get out of here, speaking of time management, what did you think of Texas going fast at the end? Uh, I did not mind it. I like I I really didn't. I I liked the sack threw everything off. Um, mm-hmm. Up and I mean, I, I I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't uh, either because I feel like they recognized something that they had in that, like, they just like, Hey, we know we can get yards. We know we can drive this thing. Let's, let's do it. I mean, it's easy to hindsight to say, Hey, if they would have taken the clock the entire time, but like, yeah, Yeah. then you don't guarantee that you're going to gain the yards. Well, let's not, let's not, let's not pretend like a Burt Auburn field goal has been automatic either. (laughs) You know, fair point, fair point. You know, like he drilled that ball credit to him. I mean, he had a good day, but like, that's another component of it. Like mm-hmm. I I had no problem with it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't either. It. I just know it's kind of, it's, it's been a topic and it's like, you can't play the hindsight. Game and like I, that. and like, I didn't, and I didn't mind them running on third and long either because right. that, I mean, you, you can't, you can't complain about that. If you were happy when that's what iced the game against Alabama, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, I, I mean, and it had been working and it like, you know, I mean, that probably, yeah, that's one of their more productive plays. Was you know, yeah, I I had I had no issues with it. Yeah, I mean, just you know, you you stop them, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, don't blow they, a couple they, of coverages assignments and on the final drive of the game, and yeah, things might be a little bit different. But well, that yeah. wraps us up for episode one hundred and twenty nine of the Five Tool Podcast. Again, we are brought to you by Hitforth. You can follow them on Twitter at Hitforth H I T F O R T H. And on Instagram as well. And then please visit hitforth.com, especially if you're a parent or a player that's tuning in uh, from Central Texas. We cannot recommend these guys strongly enough. Uh, it's a really, really fantastic operation strength and conditioning, hitting total player development, full time employees with excellent backgrounds. I mean, it's truly the best of the best type situation for a player to go get better. So go check those guys out and you can follow the podcast at five tool pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, But that wraps us up until we talk to y'all next time. Have a good week. Take care.